Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome, church, to our fourth and final week in the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, then you know it's not been the traditional line-by-line expository Bible study. It's been more of a rather topical overview of the book and some of the specific ways that, that Paul himself, he encouraged the church in Thessalonica. And so his overwhelming instruction to this church was to stand firm. And through the many different trials, through the many different sufferings, remember, that church was plagued with so many different cultures coming in that the new idea of Jesus was pushed against, especially against all the pagan concepts and ideas. And so to stand up for Christ, for the thing called the way, really meant more than just saying, you're weird. I'm, I'm not following you anymore. And click. No, this meant maybe being beat up. This meant maybe not getting business. This was very serious to be a true follower of Jesus the Christ. Now, as we wrap up this series, we still have one more well, shall we say, an encouragement to draw out of this book of 1 Thessalonians, and it is to stand firm in the future. And by that, I mean the future that God promises all the believers from the very beginning of time to the point where He says it's time to come home. That's all of us and all of your ancestors who are followers of Christ. So, there was a reality about this first century church that they really had this ever-present desire to see Jesus coming back. They so believed it. And so do we. As you flash forward 2,000 years, I imagine that the imminent return of Christ, for some reason, isn't nearly as exuberant for us today as it was for them. And I think we've been lied to. I think we get so busy. Busy having to do this. Busy having to do that. We get caught up in our systems that we miss one of the most fundamental core things of Christianity. Jesus is coming back. And we're going to be in His eternal kingdom forever. How do we miss that? It's foundational. We don't have to live in this place where Israel's being attacked and all this ugliness and human trafficking and drugs and, the, and the, all, the, all the weirdness of the world. There's a hope. There's a hope. I think it's one of the reasons why I believe this sermon is important. It's not that I'm speaking it, but the content is really important for us to be reminded that we need to stand firm on the future. Is there something that you've hoped for 
in the future in your own life? Remember when you were in your teens? You know, maybe as a, as a guy, you, you, you had a hope that you would be a professional athlete. Or maybe you had a hope when you, that you would be able to go to college and graduate. A hope of finding that, that perfect someone. A hope of being able to buy that incredible house. Travel the world. Well, there, there you have it right there. Pastor Rick has. Have, have you ever had that hope? Do you know what it felt like when you were able to get something you really hoped for? Many of us have hoped for a future event, maybe a relationship, maybe a promotion. And they're exciting to look forward to. And in a similar way, the church throughout history has looked to the return of Christ with great anticipation and excitement but here's the truth that some of us forget i mean it's super obvious but sometimes we forget as it gets closer to christmas we're realizing we're closer to christmas than we're far away from it from yesterday i'm a day closer i'm a day closer do you realize throughout the centuries and the millennia we are closer to His return now than we have ever been in the history of, of the cross. Be careful that we don't lose that passion and that fervor for His coming, for His return. Because we may miss it. I don't want to miss it. More importantly... There's somebody that you love, maybe they're family, maybe they're friends, maybe you've known them since you were in school as a kid, and they don't know Christ. Do you not know that this is forever? Share Christ with them. Pray God will give you an opportunity to share the gospel. Pray God will give you an opportunity to grab one of those little flyers and invite them to hear the gospel at church. But folks, it's real. It's easy to, to get busy with day to day and forget how real the end times are and his returning. Now we know Jesus is going to return. We don't know when. Look with me at, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know. What will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope? For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with Him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord, Paul says. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet Him ahead of those who have died. Why? They got to eternity before us, so they get to be in the front of the line. Make sense? Verse 16. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet, call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves. You know, I've had some people ask, is it okay to do cremation? Is there 
Folks, there's nothing in the Bible for it or against it. I think God's big enough to deal with whatever way somebody passes. Whether they died at sea, maybe they died at a volcano and they turned into ash, it doesn't matter. Why? He's God. He can handle the problems. Amen? Verse 17, Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Woo! So encourage each other with these words. First, in this passage, Paul is clearly addressing questions that have been coming to him as their pastor, and they're saying, what about Aunt, Aunt so-and-so? What about Uncle this, and my cousin that, and my brother this, and my husband, and my wife, and, and all my... What happens to them? And, and it was very reasonable questions. And as a good pastor, he answered those questions to the best that he could. And he gave them insight directly from the throne of God. He knew they were struggling. And he didn't want them to. And at the conclusion of his explanation, he just simply says, then we will be with the Lord forever. Now it's a simple sentence, something you can easily just pass over, but instead, if you stop and you really look at what he's saying, you're catching something dynamic. This is huge. And it echoes actually the words of what Jesus was saying in John chapter 14, verse 1. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus talking. Trust in God, trust also in me. There was more than enough room in my father's home or mansion. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Of course I wouldn't. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. Paul is, he, he's looking at that and he's, he's echoing those words of Jesus as he talks to us here in 1 Thessalonians. And then he says, remember right off the bat, verse 1 here in John, don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus is saying, hey, hey, I'm coming back. I'm preparing a place for you and for me and for all the believers from the very beginning of time. Stand firm in the reality of this truth, in the reality of God's future, His eternity. You know, sometimes... Have you ever had this? You're reading the scriptures and you know that from a scholarly theological point that this is not speaking about what God is communicating to you through the Holy Spirit. So here I am, a, I'm a senior and I, I've been training really hard the whole summer. And during that time, I, I mean, I was doing the stairs every day, sometimes twice. I was doing a half hour jump rope. I, I was running on the beach. I was doing all sorts of weightlifting, and I was a legend in my own mind. Really good at that part. And so right after like a couple days of triple days in football, I came home, and I'm in bed by 6.30. You know, just enough to get a shower, get something to eat. 
and I'm about to cry because I feel horrible. Like, I'm not going to make it. And I'm thinking, how am I not going to make it through? We called it Hell Week. And the Lord told me, well, you had time to go do all this football stuff. You got time to read. Read my word. And I'm fighting with the Lord within my heart. And then I finally said, yes, Lord. You want to know where I landed? I opened up to John chapter 14, verse 1. It says, let not your heart be troubled. I stopped right there, and I bawled like the big dude that I was. Sometimes God can communicate to you in the most unique way that's very personal to you. Now, I don't get the right to tell everybody that that's what the Scripture says, because that's not what it's saying. But it communicated through the Holy Spirit to me something very special. And I think the principle is powerful. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're struggling with. But this is universal. Let not your heart be troubled. Somebody say amen. amen. I just hope that that kind of permeates, it, it infiltrates your heart especially if you're struggling with some worry or some anxiety. At the end of the day, it's, it's all truly going to work out. You're going to be with Jesus forever and ever, no matter how ugly it might be here on earth. But in the words of Paul, one of the last verses there that we were reading, verse 18 of chapter 4, it said, So encourage each other with these words. Or if I could say it another way, don't stop reminding each other about this amazing eternity that's before us. It's important. It's critical. Let it be a constant encouragement to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Do you realize, I don't know, people live maybe 100 years less, somewhere in there. Pop passed away at 92 now, the truth of the matter is, this is really temporary. Don't get me wrong, I can touch something. I can feel it. I, I get that. But eternity is forever? I, I mean, forever and ever and ever. And, and then when you get to the 10,000 year mark, you didn't even really start yet. You could be a million years into it, and you're like, did you even get your shoes on yet? Because you really haven't got, you haven't even started. You haven't even got ready to start for eternity. And when you start looking at the possibility of forever, man, these, these 100 years really don't compare. But they are important because it sets up the Forever. My heart can say yes to the King of Kings or no. And I don't think I want forever and ever in the, in the hot place. 
the Roasty Toasties place. It's never going to stop. No Gatorade, no relief, no water. But internal regret and dread. Folks, he's coming back. So we know definitely that he's coming back, but we also clearly know that we don't know when. But he wants us in all of that to live a righteous life, to have a hospitable life. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying, everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them. And suddenly, as a pregnant woman, labor pains begin and there will be no escape. Jesus' return, as Paul says here, will be sudden. It's going to be suddenly. There will be many who, will, who are still very knee-deep in their own personal sin. And then when Jesus comes back, now what? In fact, Jesus Himself, He expounds upon the very thing in Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at verse 36. And, and here's just a snippet from what he taught. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, and the other left. So you too, catch this part right here, must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Did you catch that? Keep watch. No one but the Father knows the day or the hour of when Jesus is returning. Which again shows us that He's definitely coming back. And we definitely do not know when. And we can take that for granted. I said we could take that for granted. I don't know about you, but I have. We can be honest here, Christians. Have we really lived week after week, day after day, year after year, decade after decade, with that understanding that He's coming back at any moment? I don't want to condemn us, but may it convict us. Amen? Well, if he's you know, we can make up a whole lot of great excuses. And the truth is, he's, he's letting us know there's no forewarning, really, 
oh, we'll get some signs that it's coming close. But we're not going to get a day. We're not going to get an hour. We just get a general idea. The truth is, why are we gambling with when He's going to come? Why don't we be... Now, how far can we get to the edge before we're falling over? How about we just say, <laughs> because I love God so much, I'm not going to even risk being stupid. You know, for many references throughout the Bible, there's these two that seem to constantly keep coming up. It's the one about darkness and the other one about light. As believers, one of the primary reasons we can stand firm in our future is because God has brought us into His marvelous light through His Son, Jesus. And Paul picks up this language here in in chapter 5, starting in verse 4. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard. Here it is again. Be on your guard. Not asleep like the others. Stay alert and clear-headed. His point is is that as members in the kingdom of light, there should be no need to fear or to be surprised when Jesus does return. He reiterates that everyone should stay clear-headed. I don't know about you, but it's easy. You get the pressures of life and the pressures of family and the pressures of ministry, pressure here, pressure there, and, and you, all of a sudden you're, you know, you, me, we're just like, why ain't crying and complain? I kind of feel like the Lord's saying, hey, Sally, pick up your skirt. It's like, stop it. Why am I acting that way? When you are a child of the king, you're a child of the king. You're royalty. And all of a sudden, you begin to think and behave, and all of a sudden, your shoulders are like this. I feel so bad. And all of a sudden, when you realize the blood of the lamb was shed for me, that he calls me friend, that he calls me his son. And all of a sudden you can stand up taller. Your shoulders go back and not hunch forward. Is it anything because of me? No. It's because of what he has done, not because of what I've done. We need to be clear-headed. If there's anxiety, if there's fear, you have to bring it to the altar. You have to leave it at the foot of the cross, folks. I'm so scared. I'm so fearful. Give it to the Lord. They tell me, scholars say, there's 366 fear knots in the Bible. One for every day of the year and one for leap year. Guys, take the fear. Give it to the King. Remember when you were little? You would cry for Daddy? And he would grab you and pick you up when you were tiny. And he, it's okay. Daddy's got you. Daddy's got you. That's our Lord. 
And he's saying, I got you. It's going to be okay. Your father's here. We need to fix our eyes on Christ. Let's look at Romans 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in the hearts of the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Folks, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. God has granted us grace so that we could run this race. Suffering is not a four-letter word. Sometimes your suffering has nothing to do because we think, oh, I'm reaping what I've sown. No. Have you not looked at all the great men and women of the Bible? They all suffered. You're in a good place if you stay focused. Now, don't get me wrong. I do. I do reap what I sow. If I'm dumb, I'm going to get, I'm going to get the effects of it. All right? If it's 12 degrees outside and I go outside in my shorts and a tank top and hang out there for a couple hours, how come I got a cold? How come I got pneumonia? Well, you went and got dumb and you got sick. There's other times... That it's spiritual warfare. It's spiritual warfare. Jesus went out for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness after being baptized by his cousin, John the Baptizer. While he was there, he came at a very vulnerable time when he was starving. Literally, the word in in the original language is starving to the point of death. This is when the enemy comes. When you're vulnerable. Are you hearing me on this? Are you vulnerable? You're tired, you're exhausted, you're hungry, you're overwhelmed, there's way too much month and not enough money. You're vulnerable. And that's when the enemy is going to come. And we want to know what the answer is? It's what he said. Well, if you would just bow down to me and worship me, what does Jesus say? It is written. It is written. You see, you have to go to the Word. If the Word of God is not in you, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you don't have the Scriptures in you, you're vulnerable times ten. Start memorizing those Scriptures. Put them on the mirror. Put them on the fridge. Put them on on somewhere in your car. Start memorizing the Scripture. So when he comes, when you're vulnerable, somebody gets hurt, somebody has to have a surgery, somebody's sick, and you're messed up, you just got laid off, you're vulnerable, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You can go to the Word. Throughout this series, we've had a front row seat at some of the specific ways that Paul was encouraging this church, this first century church in Thessalonica. And as we come to a close, I want to focus our our continued effort in the same way that the apostle Paul did. If you remember, he said at least a few different times, 
hey, hey, you know all this great stuff you guys are doing over here as a church? Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. It's too easy for the pastor types up here, guys like me, to, to beat up on the body of Christ. When the truth is, the body of Christ, many times, they're doing great things. Is there more that you could fix? Yeah, and I bet you know it better than anybody else. But here's the thing to catch. If you're praying for others, if you're being in your word, if you're going to church, if you're doing worship, you're playing that music, the Christian music in your, in your car, if you're doing all these things, keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Actually do it more. Just keep doing it. And that's what Paul's doing through this whole book in 1 Thessalonians. This week, next Sunday, it's back to church Sunday. Remember, no matter what season you find yourself in, Christ is returning sooner rather than later. Folks, let's stay alert. Folks, let's stay focused and have a sense of urgency in our heart to share the gospel to hand out a little reminder to invite somebody to come to church. Maybe they don't come the first week. Get them to come the second week. Get them to come the third week. Do the people that you really love, do they all know Jesus? See, God put them in your life and in my life that we would share that we would open up our hearts to them. Obviously, Back to Church Sunday is a great way for people to hear the gospel. Church, invite them. Jesus is coming to establish His kingdom forever. And you and I are a part of it. So let's be about the Great Commission. Well, Father, I just pray for the church. I pray You bless them. I pray, Lord, you convict us where we all need to be convicted. And Lord, you encourage us, just like Paul did, where we all need to be encouraged because we are doing things right. And Lord, where we get frustrated or we get full of fear, may we go to the Word. And may we realize nothing is impossible with Jesus. So Lord, we pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not just on earth, but in River Rock Fellowship as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray, whoever it is here, Father, who just needs a touch from the Lord, I, I, I pray divine healing. I just pray, Lord, divine healing right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just pray a blessing on your people. And I pray victory. Lord, you have a hope in the future for River Rock. And Lord, it's, it's much grander and much larger than what we can ask or think. And we give it all to you, and you get all the praise, you get all the glory. Bless your people. And Lord, help us, remind us to be about our Father's business, to bring people to church, that they would hear the gospel and hear the great work of our Jesus. Your will, your way, in Jesus' name we all say, Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. 
How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.